Okay, hey, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians this morning. If you want to open your Bibles there, Ephesians chapter 1, and we will continue in our study uh, through the book of Ephesians today. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to jump right into it, and so I'm going to start reading, and uh, you make your way there. Ephesians chapter 1. Beginning in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we study your word today, we do ask for wisdom and discernment that you, Lord, would speak to us through your word, that we would not just understand it, but that we would follow obediently uh, through the implications of it and the things that it, that it instructs us to do. We ask your grace and favor today uh, as we look into your word and we pray it together in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. And so Paul here, he's writing to the saints who are in, in Ephesus and he says there in verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And you might wanna circle that word blessed there in verse three and nearby you could write this. You could write to speak well of because that's literally what that word means. We actually get the English word eulogy uh, from this Greek word uh, blessed uh, and uh, it, it, again, it means to speak well of. If you go to a funeral and you have a eulogy, you're speaking well uh, of the decedent, of the, of the, of the person that you ha- have gone to, to eulogize. And so really, the, the big idea here of, of uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, uh, is uh, here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, let's worship God for all that he has blessed us with. That's literally what he's saying. And that's going to be the big idea of our message today, really what we're going to dial into as we consider the blessings of God. And God really has blessed us, has he not? I mean, we have received an abundance of God's grace, and we have been immensely blessed. If if you doubt that, uh, just take a moment to to reflect on the different instances that God gives to you in your life. Me today, having all of my grandchildren here in one place, and and I say, how blessed, Lord, am I to to be able to to dedicate my children to you? And all of us have those things in our lives that, that we are just blessed and lots to reflect on there. But you know, when you talk about blessing, it's so critically important to have the right perspective. Perspective is everything when you're talking about blessing. Just last week, I saw a, uh, a clip from a, a, an episode of, of The Tonight Show. It was from 2011, June uh, 2011 to be specific. And uh, there was a guest there on the show, uh, a gal by the name of Dorothy Custer. She was there on the show uh, in that June of 2011 uh, on the occasion and the purpose of celebrating her 100th birthday. She actually shares the same birthday as me, May 30th. She was born a couple of years before me. But... Um, uh, she had, she had just celebrated her birthday a couple of weeks before, and so so uh, Jay Leno had her on. Um, there she's a hundred years old. So she comes out, and Jay says to her, "Dorothy, I, I understand uh, that that you went to Universal Studios yesterday, as you're you're out here in town." And she said, "Yes, Jay, I did." And she said, "The wind was blowing fiercely." She said, "I had to hold onto my hat with both hands." 
And, uh, and she said, but, you know, I had a guy come up to me and he said, lady, forget about your hat. Take care of your dress. Your dress is blowing up over your head. And, and she, said, she said to him, young man, what, whatever you might be unfortunate enough to see is 100 years old. This hat is brand new. <laughs> and see, she had a different perspective. From his perspective, he was worried about her, you know, having an indecency, you know, kind of thing. She, from her perspective, she was worried about her investment. That was what, what she, you know, was worried about. And when you talk about the blessings of God, many have the perspective of, of well, that God bless me. God bless me, give me a good job. God bless me, you know, give me money. God bless me, give me success. God bless me, give me financial security. Bless me with a nice house. Bless me with a nice car. Bless me with a car that runs God and a spouse that doesn't, you know, kind of thing. And bless me with good health and a good husband or a good wife. And, and all of these things are great. And, and God does oftentimes bless in those ways. But, you know, what if God hasn't blessed in those ways? What if God hasn't blessed you with a good job and he hasn't blessed you with money or success or financial security? Does that make Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 untrue? What if God, you know, hasn't blessed you with a nice house or a nice car or, or whatever it is? You know, do, does that mean, as some people teach, that, you know, you just don't have enough faith? You know, I, I'm reminded of Reverend Pesos. If you, if you ever, if you're old enough to remember the show in Living Color a few years back, they had Reverend Pesos there, and he, he would say, you know, the Lord wants to heal you, but he ain't going to do it for free, you know? And, and there are those that teach, you know, that, that there is just, man, you just need more faith if you want to receive the blessings of God. Well, a few things I'd say to that, a couple things. First of all, God's already amazingly blessed you. If you want to think in those terms. I mean, I just got back from the Philippines. And, and every time, you know, I travel internationally, it's just a, an opportunity, a reminder to just be, reflect upon how God has blessed us so incredibly. I mean, really, truly has. It was the last night, it was the night, the last night we were spending in the Philippines. And, and they took us to a place where, where they were going to put us up for the night on the very last night. And, and it, you know, at first I thought they were kind of putting us on. They, let's just say they were not nice accommodations, you know. And, um, and we, fortunately for us, one of the members in our group had gotten sick and we were able to use him as an excuse. And we're like, oh, he can't sleep here tonight. And I actually said, listen, I don't care what it costs. I'll pay for us to have some different accommodations. And so they said, well, the only accommodation that's available for you is this thing. And they called it a luxury hotel. And, and but let me just tell you, that it was, it was not, the Motel 6 was luxury compared to what they were calling luxury. There wasn't even a, 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 a toilet seat, you know, in the, in the thing. And there's no toilet seats anywhere, by the way. I mean, I got a word for, you know, the Philippines, you know. Hey, toilet seat right there. You know, that would be awesome kind of deal. And so we go into this place. And all I'm thinking about at this point is there's no place like home. There's no place like home. I just want to go home. I could think about my pillow and my bed and, and all of those things. And it just puts into perspective, dude, you got nothing to complain about. Man, we are blessed. You know, I was reading a Forbes 
magazine article, and it said this. It said the global median income is $1,250, not a month. It's $1,250 a year. That's the global median income. And so by the world's standards, with the global median income only being 1250 bucks a month, that means you sitting in your chair right now are among the top 1% of all earners in the entire world. Americans are in the top 1%. And, and, and the issue is we are blessed, are we not? God has blessed us abundantly. Certainly, he's blessed us. But having said that, I want you to notice the context, the perspective that Paul is speaking here from because he's not talking about physical blessings here. He says in in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every, what's the word? Spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. See, we tend to forget the fact that we are spiritual beings. We're physical beings, yes, but we're also spiritual beings. And, and, and the idea here is that, well, you know, the Bible makes it very clear that in the physical, man, it, it passes by in a blink of an eye. That the, the, the physical part of your life is a very fractional, small part of what your life is comprised of and and will consist of. Listen to the way James puts it in James chapter 4, verse 14. He says, why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. See, a day is coming when everything that you know in the physical is gonna fade away and you're going to come face to face with the God who made you, who is spirit. And, and you, in that moment, you will be caught, caught up into this spiritual realm which lasts for all eternity. And the question for you and I is not whether or not you will live forever. Because you will live forever in the spiritual realm. The question is, where are you going to live forever? That, that is the question. See, the Bible says it's appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. You will stand before God someday. And, and, and if you're with us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, when you're going through 1 Corinthians, we see there that Paul contrasts the natural man and the spiritual man. And, and he says this, he says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. The idea here, Paul's basically saying, is that, listen, you've received the Spirit of God and and the hope and God's ideal and his his intent in receiving the Spirit of God is that, you you know, you would would know the things that that, that God has blessed you with. See, but the, the problem is there is that, you know, it's possible for you to, to be saved and, and yet to be blind to the eternal things. Because what happens is we get into a place where, well, we can just become caught up and wrapped up in the, in the events of our lives, can't we? Jesus told a parable about that. 
He talked about the seeds of faith that are, that are sown and in just how seed is sown. And he said sometimes seed is sown and, and is sown into an area where, where the weeds and the thorns and the thistles, they choke out what grows from that seed. And, and it's really, it's this metaphor of how your faith can be choked out. By, by the, the current concerns the, uh, of this world, that the thorns and the thistles represents the cares and the concerns of this world. And we can be that way where maybe, man, I am born again by the Spirit of God and God's poured His Spirit into me and He's given to me this capacity of being able to understand these spiritual blessings that Paul is talking about here in Ephesians chapter 1. But man, I'm so caught up with the cares of this world that, I, that I'm not mindful of it. And see, Paul's talking about, listen, yeah, you have been blessed. You, know, you need to know that you've been blessed, but, you, but God wants you to, to, to understand it from that spiritual perspective. In other words, if you live only for this world, you're never going to understand the true blessings of God. That's the point. And Paul goes on to say to the Corinthians, but the natural man, we'll put this on the screen for you, does not receive the things of the Spirit for their foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Ephesus was a city of upwards of 200,000 people. And, and as a people, the, the, the people of Ephesus were very spiritual. Uh, they worshiped literally dozens of gods. And, and if, if you take the time to read through Acts chapter 19, when, when you see Paul doing a work there and he plants the church in Ephesus, and as he plants that church, and as people begun, began to come to the church and they began to meet God and enter into an intimate relationship with God the Father, and they would know his heart for them and his love for them, and their lives would be transformed by faith in him and what he'd done for them, what happened was a radical life transformation began to, to take place in these people's lives. And so you see them repenting and coming to the Lord. And Acts chapter 19 tells us that they, they, as they repented, they would bring their, their books of, of, of magic that they practiced. And they would burn the books. And the equivalent value of over 50,000 pieces of silver, that's what these books were worth, that's how much they burned. That's how steeped they were into the, the worship of, of, of different gods and different spirit, spirits and spiritual realm. And, and the reason, and this is the important thing, this is what I want you to hear, the reason they had all of these idols, the reason they had all of these books, it was their attempt to get God to bless them. It was their attempt to get God to bless them. And, and it all traces back to the dynamic that I talked about in last week's message where, you know, we have this, this understanding of this works-based righteousness. That, that you know, I, I think, well, I'm going to be right in the spiritual realm based on, you know, the, 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 the merit of my actions. 
And, and you, can, you can see in, in, in every different belief system that we have in the world today that, that it's all based on a works-based righteousness. You see this in Buddhism, in Hinduism, in Catholicism, in Mormonism, in the Muslim faith. They're all based in a works-based economy, a works-based righteousness, where if my good works outweigh my bad works, then I earn a right standing and I'm right with God. And the blessings then are all predicated on that. Are you tracking with me? Now, the problem is, is that we as Christians in the Christian faith, we can fall into the same mindset because this fits so naturally with just sort of our our human existence. And that is sort of a cause and effect kind of thing. And so we think, well, you know what? If God's going to bless me, it's going to come through, you know, my good works outweighing my bad works. And again, this, this was my experience growing up. I, I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But practically speaking, the way that worked itself out in my life, well, it was that I had this fundamental thought of if I'm a good boy, God will love me. And if I'm a bad boy, God's going to be disappointed with me and he's, and he's not going to bless me. And so it just constantly, I'm on this, this treadmill of trying to do good, try harder, honor God, I blow it. And see, and Satan right there, he's working right in that, that mindset where he, on this side of the fence, he's going to tempt you into sin. And then the moment you sin, he jumps to the other side of the fence and he says, well, you can't go to God now. You call, you call yourself a Christian. Look at what you just did. And so then he wants to isolate you and marginalize you from coming to the Lord. And so when we talk about the blessings of God, it's so fundamentally important that we get this. See, because the Christian faith, the Bible is the only religious book, and the Christian faith is the only religious system that teaches salvation by grace through faith. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Galatians 2, 21, Paul would say this to the Galatians, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make, it, could make us right with God, then there would be no need for Christ to die. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we're going to get into this in the weeks to come. Paul says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so when we talk about the blessings of God, you have to begin from a spiritual perspective. You have to begin from this place that Paul begins where he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Eulogize him, speak well of him, worship him. Why? Because he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And so Paul begins now in verse four to lay out for us what are the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. He says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us acceptable in the beloved. So what is the first spiritual blessing that we have received in Christ? Well, here it is. He chose us and predestined us as sons. He chose us and he predestined us as sons. Now, 
this is part of the doctrine of salvation. And uh, it is a powder keg of controversy. Let me just say that. Um, there's, there's pro- this is probably one of the top three subjects that are most debated among Christians. And, 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 and I'll basically, it's, I'm going to give you a, sort of an oversimplification of the, of the two sides of this debate. Uh, and I'll just simply tell you this, that, that I'm going to post this week uh, on our blog. I'll, I'll put, um, and, I'll, and I'll make it part of our, our homepage, you know, what we believe section. But I'm going to, I'm going to post more of an extensive ex- explanation of, of what we believe uh, here at Reliance Church. But basically... You have two basic schools of thought as it, as it pertains to God's election of us, God's choice of us, and, and, and you know, his, you know, predestined us, you know. And, and so on the one side, you've got Reformed theology, which is, you know, also referred to as Calvinism. And the basic idea there is that God chose us. God chooses us. Now, on the other end of the coin, you've got what's called Armenianism, uh, and, and the, the philosophy and the idea there is that we choose God. Both of these positions were, were really formulated and developed by a couple of guys that lived in the 16th century, uh, laying out you know, where, where they're coming from. And uh, so on the one hand, God chooses us. We don't, we don't play a part in salvation. Uh, God chooses us. It's just sort of, you know, maybe, you know, the attitude is, uh, you know, I love you, I love you not. I love you, I love you not. I love you, I love you not. You know, and God just sort of cosmically going through the flower there. You're out, you're in. You're out, you're in kind of thing. He chooses us. He chooses, he, he chooses some for heaven. He chooses some uh, for hell. That's, uh, that's, again, oversimplification, but that's, you know, there's Reformed theology side. The other side is Arminianism, we choose God. Um, that by our free will, we are presented with, here you go, use, exercise your free will, are you going to choose God, or are you going to reject God? Now, here at Reliance Church, I'll just simply tell you that the position we take is the balance that we see in Scripture between the two. And I do think that there is a balance between the two because the fact is, is that both of these theological positions can be well argued from Scripture. You have Scriptures on both sides. And so, you know, basically, I think the Bible says it's both, that God chooses us and we choose Him. That, you know, we have Scriptures, you know, here in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, where God chooses us. And we have scriptures like Romans 8, 29, where we see that his choice is based upon his foreknowledge of the decisions that we will make. Romans 8, 29 says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We have scriptures like 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 9, that speak of the sovereign calling of God. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we have scriptures like Romans 10, 13 that say, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so you can see both sides there. We have the scriptural example of the apostle Paul, who is converted on the road to Damascus in in Acts chapter 9. And, and it would seem, by the way that it unfolds, that Paul didn't seem to have a, a choice. A Calvinist would say, there's a great example. You know, God chose Paul kind of thing. And, and then you have the words of Jesus, who basically says, hey, many are called, but few are chosen. We see this balance throughout Scripture. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17 states this, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. 
And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Hey, what do you hear in those words? God desperately loves his children and wants them saved. The Bible says that God desires that none should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. It's the heart of the Father that, 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 that we would all come to know him. But not everybody does. And so what you see in Revelation twenty two seventeen is the heart of the Father. Man, come, come, come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. This is the heart of God. Yet 1 Peter 1, 2 tells us that we are elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Here's the way Chuck Smith sums it all up. He basically says this, God clearly does choose, but man must also accept God's invitation to salvation. Now, all of that here kind of brings us to a place. And you're like me, you're like, okay, so we're reading this and we're kind of talking about this, but, but really what's that got to do with, with me and the way that, that I'm going to live my life today? A lot more than you think. A lot more than you think. And, and here's what I would say. Rather than get caught up on debating this, whether God chooses us or we choose God, listen, I think it's better if we just celebrate it. Seriously, some of you, your testimony is that you gave your life to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. I remember I was at church and the altar call was given and I decided that I was going to give my life to Jesus. And some of you will articulate it that way. And others of you, your testimony is God saved me. I was just in sin and I was just running headlong into, and you know what? Then God showed up and smacked me upside the head and God saved me. And so one of you, your testimony is I got saved. I gave my life to the Lord and the other is, you know, God saved me. Who cares? You're in the family of God. Whichever way you want to articulate it, however way God moved and worked in your life, praise the Lord. I mean, I heard one pastor who was telling a story about how a guy got saved uh, in a message that he was preaching on circumcision. You know, and he's like, you know, this guy gave his life to Jesus in the middle of that. He's like, you know, that right there is an argument for Calvinism right there. You know, it's like this guy, God just reached somebody. Hey, look, when we debate this, listen, we miss the point that Paul makes in verse four. I want you to notice again, what's Paul say? He says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in, and what's the word? It's love. That's the point. God loves you. And the word that's used there, it's, it's the Greek word agape. And, and, and basically, in case you haven't heard, that means unconditional, unmerited love. That's love that you didn't earn. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he's chosen us in love. And we need to take a walk with that. And I I think, really think, that for some here, that's what you need to hear. Because the, the fact of the matter is, is that there's so often where we live our life in such a way that, man, I just don't really believe that God loves me. Because we've heard, whether it's from people or family members or whether it's the voice of the enemy that's constantly whispering in our ears, we've heard that that we're no good. We've heard that we're a loser. We've heard that, man, you're just bad and and you're awful and there's nothing redeeming in you. and, 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 And what happens is we get to the place where we believe that so much 
that we even believe that God doesn't love us. And listen, that's not what the Bible teaches. He chose you in love. He loves you. And listen, it's more than that. When you look at verse 6, what's it say? It says that we are accepted in the beloved. Look at that. To the praise and glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. That word accepted, you might want to circle that. That's a really important word. It literally means to make graceful or lovely by thorough saturation. Right? It, it, accepted, it means basically that, that, that God has placed you in such a way, man, he's accepted you. And, and I'm searching for a way to, to kind of convey this and to, to explain this. I guess I'll try to explain it this way. When, when Brenda and I were, were first dating, we, we met at the, the, the place where, where we worked. I was working in the ER as an ER tech, and my wife worked in the ER as an admitting clerk. And so, you know, that's where I met her. And so we met, we got married, and well, after we're married, we're still working in the same place. This is before, you know, I went to paramedic school and went on to the fire department, so I'm still working there in the hospital. <coughs> my wife working there in the hospital as, a, as an admitting tech. Now, so we're, we're just, we're brand new married, and, uh, and now my wife is pregnant. Now, she's not showing yet, but she's pregnant. And so she comes back one day. She, there's the, the, the cops have shown up. They've got a prisoner, the guy they picked up for a DUI, and they bring him into the hospital to get his blood drawn. Um, and, uh, and so he's there, and, and my wife is taking the information for his chart. And so uh, I, I see this cop start hitting on my wife. I'm like, oh, heck no, you know? So this guy's hitting on my wife. So I walk up, just sort of, you know, I want to lay claim to my territory kind of thing. And so I walk up and uh, I'm like, uh, hey, babe, uh, are you going you gonna to be off uh, on time today uh, for me to get you, you know, kind of thing? And uh, this guy looks at me and he's like, what are you writing a book? And, and, and I'm, I'm like, oh, you just did not just do that right there. So, so I say to the guy, uh, you see that ring on her finger? That's, that's my ring that I put on her finger. By the way, that's my baby she's carrying in her belly, all right? So, so just bat, and I didn't say any of that to the guy. I, I, I thought all of that, but he's got a gun after all. So I just simply said, no, I'm talking to my wife. That's, a, that's, what, that's what I said. Now I'm thinking all the other stuff. But see, here's my point. What I'm thinking is, buddy, you're an idiot, I am accepted in the beloved. You know, talk about this thorough saturation of, 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 of grace and, and loveliness. We are connected, buddy. I'm connected to that woman. She's wearing my ring. She's carrying my baby. You want to talk about, you know, how, look, one of us is accepted and one of us ain't. And, and, and it's, <laughs> you're out and I'm in kind of deal. That that was that that's the way that I that I can articulate this. You are accepted in the beloved. If you are a child of God, if you have surrendered your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ, you're accepted. You're in. You don't have to earn God's favor. You're right in his sight. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. Listen, this this is this is an issue of uh, of that that God shows you and he loves you. You're accepted. And and man, look again at verse 5. It says he's predestined us to adoption as sons. Predestined us to adoptions as sons. What a beautiful, intimate 
picture. How much more accepted can you be? Now, I want to say this, and this is important, that, you know, as we're talking about this, you might say, okay, okay, we're talking about salvation, I'm saved. All right. Two things. One of, the one thing I would say is not all of you are. Not everybody here has come to a place where you've surrendered your life to the Lordship of Christ. And to you, here's what I want to say first. I want to say this. God loves you. The Bible says he demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And what you need to hear this morning is that you are precious to God. You are precious in his sight. You you are so precious to God that he sent his son to die for you. And the lie maybe that you've believed that that, that you're guilty, the the, the things that you've done that are are bad, that, that nobody can forgive you of. Hey, listen, God knows all of that. He knows you're guilty. He knows the guilt and the shame that you carry. That doesn't matter to God. He loves you. He made a way to take care of that. You can be right with God today. You can leave here today knowing that your sins are forgiven, that you're cleansed. How? By just trusting in him. That's how. Because if you leave here today and you say, well, I heard all about the father's love for me. And I heard about all the work that God has done on the cross, dying on the cross for my sins in my place. But, you know, at the end of the day, I just really don't believe that I can be forgiven. And so if you walk away not receiving that precious gift, that blessing, the first blessing that Paul starts off here, God wants to know you and he's made a way that you can know him. And if you walk away not receiving that spiritual blessings, I don't care what other blessing you receive in your life. At the end of the day, when your life is over, and it is that vapor, it's here for a while, and then it's gone. That's all you're going to have. See, because here's the deal. For, for those that don't know Jesus Christ, this world is as good as it gets. It's, this is heaven. But for those that are in Christ, that know him, this world is as bad as it gets. And in his presence, the Bible says, is fullness of joy. And so the first thing I want you to hear and the first thing I want you to know is that if you don't know Jesus Christ, you can today. You can surrender your life to him. And you can do so with him, with the knowledge that he knows all about you and he's not shocked by you. And he loves you. And you are accepted in the beloved. That is a huge thing. The second thing I want to say, and this is for the majority of you, most of you here have surrendered your life to the Lordship of Christ. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm still fighting a cold from the Philippines. Um, most of you here, you know the Lord. And so you're thinking, oh, it's a salvation message. Come on, I mean, what, what, what can I take from this? You can take from this that you're accepted in the heavenly realm. That, that you are in a place where God shows you in love. That, that, that you are in that place where he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's predestined you as a son, as a daughter. 
And you need to be reminded of that because we slip so easily back onto that religious treadmill of do good, try harder. And you don't need to do good and you don't need to try harder. No, here's what you need to do. You need to know that God loves you and that will change everything in your life. Because now the doing good, man, when it's... When your life is lived in response to the certain knowledge of how much God loves you, the doing good takes care of itself because you're loved and you're accepted by him. Now, he says he's predestined us to adoption as sons. And this whole concept of God being a father is critically important. And I don't want you to miss this. See, about 14 times in the Old Testament, God is referred to as a father, but it's always nationally. It's never individually. It's never a personal kind of thing. And what happens is that that all changes when Jesus Christ comes. And in Matthew 6, 9, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And he says, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, that's how Jesus tells us that we are to pray. And more than 60 times in the New Testament, Jesus refers to God as Father. Now, What you need to know and understand is that God, our heavenly father, loves us, intimately wants to be involved in us. And for many of you, you have grown up like I grew up with a loving father who who treated me well, who raised me well, who showed me what a godly husband does, who shows me what a godly father does. And I thank the Lord that I have that blessing in my life. Not every one of you has had that example. Not every one of you has experienced that. As a matter of fact, Kyle talking about, you know, his experience and just ministering to the foster children. Do you know there's, there's over 600,000 foster uh, care uh, uh, children that, that, you know, are, are they're, they're homeless. They have, they have no father. They don't know what it is to have a father. They would desperately want a father. As a matter of fact, as I expound on this, there's, there's a news article that says exactly what I want to say. So I asked the guys just to, to, to pull it up here. Uh, let me just show it to you real quick.
Steve Osinsani, ABC News, St. Petersburg, Florida. Any family would be lucky to have them? They sure would. So why do we watch something like that and have it resonate so incredibly within us? Here's why. Because deep down, every single one of us knows that we need a father. And, and it, it, it's a couple of things I just want to say in closing about that. The first thing I would say is this, that you need, first of all, to understand that you have a heavenly father who loves you, who loves you so much that he gave his son for you. And you need to start living like that. And for some of you here today, that means surrendering your life to the Lordship of Christ and to receiving him and just, just, just understanding I have a father in heaven who loves me and who wants to be my dad. And I need to let him. I need to surrender to him. For some of you, that's, that's why you're here today. And for others of you, the reason that you're here today is because you need to start living like it. We, we get to the place to where so often we believe the lie that, that God really isn't for us, but that he's against us. We, we believe the lie that, that, man, my right standing with God comes when, when I, my good works outweigh my bad works. And, and we need to understand that that's, that that's a lie. That God loves you. And that you need to, to, to just simply receive and embrace the fact that the first spiritual blessing that you have received is the, an adoption as a son of God if you'll surrender your life to him. And if you have, then you are. And you need to start living like it. The second thing I would say is that for some of you, it's a matter of, man, God's called you to be a dad to someone else. There are a lot of people without fathers right now. There are people in this church grown men who never had a father and they need someone that will be a father figure to them spiritually. And I would just ask you today as, as we close in prayer and as we partake of communion, I just want you to ask the Lord, what's, what are you saying to me today, Lord? Do you want me to, to be that spiritual father for someone? Do you want me to, 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 to step out? And, because the Bible says we love because he first loved us. You need to receive his love, you need to walk in his love, and you need to be a distributor of his love.